Spider-Man Homecoming successfully redefines what a Spidey film can be, choosing not only to completely reinvent the supporting cast, but also to cast an entirely new perspective on the fundamental moral struggles of Peter Parker and his impact on the world around him. But first, the little things. Donner Glover's acting is surprisingly bad in this film. Please don't leave now. The Scorpion cameo near the end is nice, it provides some redemption for the Vulture as well as closure on the current security of Peter's secret identity. The fact that Peter's origin as Spider-Man, including the death of Uncle Ben, is only hinted at works really well, actually surprisingly well, considering he's never actually verbally mentioned at all, it's just kind of implied that he was there and now he's not. Meanwhile, the whole Penis Parker gag feels like it shouldn't work, but kinda does also. May's reaction to seeing Peter in the Spidey suit might be the best use of the one F-bomb a PG-13 movie is allowed that I've ever seen. People are going to disagree with me on that, that's okay. Now let's talk character, because with a totally reimagined supporting cast there is plenty to talk about. Liz and Flash. Given the amount of screen time these characters receive in comparison to their roles in previous Spidey flicks, it makes sense for them to be an academic team with Peter. Otherwise, the amount of interaction they have with him would feel relatively unwarranted and forced. This extra screen time is used well, and Mark's homecoming is the first time on film that Flash Thompson feels like a legitimate character and not just an opposing force for Peter to overcome in the story. Giving so much attention to these characters is, I believe, Marvel Studios' attempt to do more with less, which is a recurring theme in both the writing and story of this film. These characters are part of Peter's world, so why not integrate them further into the story rather than abandon them one act in simply because Peter learned a lesson? MJ. The most surprising and refreshing thing about MJ in this film is not that she has such a small role in the main story, or that her identity isn't even revealed until the falling action segment of the plot is already in motion. It's that Homecoming treats MJ entirely as her own character, and hardly a direct force in Peter's life at all. This is a satisfying contrast to the Sam Raimi trilogy, in which MJ is often portrayed as an object for Peter to attain. Her character now seems almost aware of this, coming off as very rebellious, independent, and often apathetic, but not with a bad nature. In fact, MJ's general apathy to the small picture of her world plays off of Ned's hardcore enthusiasm really well. Which brings us right to Ned. This is the first time in a live-action Spider-Man film where someone in Peter's social circle reacts to his secret identity exactly the way most people would if they had just found out their best friend was a superhero. Despite being a bit of an everyman at times, his chemistry with Tom, Peter, is fantastic. This is due largely to the writing. Ned and Peter are dynamic characters with similar arcs. They grow together, like best friends do in real life. Ned goes from a Spidey hype machine to a responsible and reliable vigilante partner, and one that Peter desperately needs once his AI companion, Karen, is taken away from him by Stark. This, along with the general progression of their friendship, is interesting because the revelation that Peter is Spider-Man actually leads to eventual improvement in the lives of both Ned and Peter, whereas in previous adaptations this knowledge has proven to lead almost exclusively to tragedy and danger. Peter. Tom Holland as Peter Parker manages to summon the awkwardness of Toby's performance, down to the occasionally off-putting facial expressions, and combine it often seamlessly with the sarcastic charisma and hilarity of Andrew's version. For example, the scene in which Peter asks the owner of the sandwich shop how his daughter is. We all laugh, but are left feeling a little uncomfortable because we know Peter has crossed a bit of an implied social line. Vulture Michael Keaton delivers a truly chilling performance as the Vulture, a family man turned criminal with clear, understandable limits and motivations. He's essentially the MCU's Walter White. And that's a good thing. It's refreshing to see Marvel put more substance into their MCU villains, apart from Loki, especially when dealing with Spider-Man, a franchise boasting many of the most iconic supervillains of all time. Shocker and Tinkerer were cool too. Using the Battle of New York as the eventual motivation for our antagonist is another example of Homecoming's philosophy of doing more with less. Although this is also classic MCU world building and should be more or less expected at this point. 
Another more direct example of this is the scene in which the Vulture murders one of his henchmen for threatening to reveal his operation to the public and, much more importantly, to his family. Here's a list of things that this scene achieves, in order from least to most important. It demonstrates the power of the alien tech weaponry. It reveals a side of recklessness within the Vulture, not checking to see which kind of gun he's shooting before doing so. It also shows that the Vulture has a kind of apathy and disregard for the death of others that one might expect from a classic MCU villain, despite his unique and personal motivations and psychological complexities. And finally, it drives one of the main themes of this film in a distinctly direct but relatively distant way. Earlier I mentioned a similarity between the character arcs of Ned and Peter. Ned's arc is essentially a small-scale, more internal version of Peter's, and it's safe to say that each character is reliant on the other. So, what exactly is Peter's character arc in this film, and how will it help us better understand the themes that drive this blockbuster giant? For the sake of comedic analogies, here's a rundown of Peter's arc, on the surface level. Tony adopts Peter as his superhero baby. Tony gives Peter a bike with training wheels to help him get around safely. Peter removes the training wheels because he doesn't think he needs them. Peter crashes the bike. As a result of Peter's irresponsibility, Tony takes the whole bike back to his garage to keep it away from Peter. Peter proves that he can get around just fine on foot, Tony offers Peter a Vespa as a reward for proving himself, but Peter turns it down because he has come to appreciate the humble bicycle. It's a tale of responsibility, as Spider-Man films always are, but with a distinct twist. Given the aforementioned observation that revealing his secret identity to Ned led to very little direct negative consequence for anyone, the narrative question is no longer whether or not Peter should be Spider-Man. The question is now, in this adaptation, whether or not Peter can handle being Spider-Man, or whether he deserves the gifts he's been given at all. These are two different conflicts, and the latter defines Spider-Man Homecoming as a solid, modern, coming-of-age story. All of this is summarized fairly well when Tony tells Peter, if you're nothing without the suit, you don't deserve to wear it. And that's where Shocker comes in. The original Shocker dies not long after his first encounter with Spider-Man, and is quickly replaced by another equally capable nameless henchman. Without the alien tech, that's all either of them could suffice to be in the story. Spider-Man, Vulture, and Shocker are all identities, and are defined by those who inhabit them. The two characters who inhabit the Shocker persona lack individuality, and without the suit, they are essentially nothing. The fact that their weapon actually comes from crossbones from Civil War only strengthens this further. That's what makes Vulture so terrifying. It's not just that Michael Keaton is a phenomenal actor back in his prime who is great at playing intimidating guys in wingsuits, although that's certainly part of it. The Vulture appears to be a physical manifestation of a direct contrast to what eventually becomes Peter's greatest fear. The Vulture is as terrifying without his suit as he is with it. However, both his criminal career and his ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Spider-Man are dependent on the suit. Once Peter proves himself capable, responsible, and worthy of his own superhero identity, he is able to use this against the Vulture and overrule his facade. This puts a split in the parallels between the two characters that begin to establish early on in the film, and further solidifies the drastic differences between the two characters. So, what is Spider-Man Homecoming? It's not just a reboot, it's a reimagining of what it means to be Spider-Man and what a Spider-Man story itself can be. Not only does it fit in the MCU, it manages to fit within itself, maybe better than any Spider-Man film ever has. The parts all come together in a way that we've never seen before in a Spider-Man film. So what do you think? Am I digging too deep, or is there actually more of a story to Spider-Man Homecoming than some people seem to realize?